Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Mylin Fan, who is the CEO of RD Winery. She is also featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Mylin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be so much fun. You and I have not had an opportunity to really get too acquainted. So I am excited to not only have this chance to kind of dive in and and learn all about you, but also let our listeners learn all about you too. You are just this really fascinating woman with an interesting story. You went to Vassar and your first job ever is to run a winery in the Napa Valley. How many people can say that? Probably not very many. Um, I was fortunate. I graduated from Vassar in 2009. I'm totally dating myself. Um, It was right after or during the recovery from the recession. And instead of jumping into grad school, a lot of my friends were becoming lawyers and doctors. I instead went to New Zealand to work and travel. And I was there for about 10 months or so and got an email from my cousin asking me if I wanted to help him run a winery in Napa, which is not an email. I would say no one gets that email, but I got it. And I was like, okay, let's give it a shot and see how it goes. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that that's what you would be doing? (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) not at all. I, I grew up on Long Island and I thought that I would end up working for some company and live in like a studio apartment in Brooklyn, I thought I would follow that route. And for me, growing up on Long Island, like there are wineries, but it's not the same. Whereas if you grew up in Napa, maybe that could be something you imagined that you'd be working in the wine industry like that. But no, not in my wildest dreams. (laughs) You landed in the Napa Valley, dove right in, started running this winery. It had a a unique business model. Will you explain that? The idea was that we would just produce wine in Napa, Napa Valley wine, and export it to Vietnam. And that was what we did. And we still do export to Vietnam, but it was what we primarily did until we decided to rebrand and sell wine in the United States, which we made that decision in the end of 2018. And we started that process and we launched our two brands, Fifth Moon and Hundred Knot, and opened a tasting room in July 2020 during the pandemic. What's the most challenging part of your job so far during the course of your career running a winery? Opening a tasting room and rebranding and launching it during a global pandemic is definitely up there at the top. Um, in general, just trying to sell wine in the United States and kind of learning an entirely different skill set is also challenging, like communicating through social media and what marketing looks like and things like that. So, but definitely pandemic, but no one could have planned, no one planned pandemic, right? So why, why open in the middle of a pandemic? 
Why open the tasting room? <laughs> well, we had started renovating the space in 2019, mm -hmm. and we thought it would open sooner. Although it, it would have been the same, right? We would have been open during a pandemic, like everyone else in this industry. And it was kind of like, well, we are ready to open. Let's open. Let's see what happens. And it'll kind of give us time to figure this all out while we have less visitors and such. Um, Work out yeah, the kink, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Work out the kinks. But, you know, we didn't plan that for the pandemic. And then the fires, which led to many closures because of smoke and such. Hopefully that's the worst it'll ever be. Where is your winery? Call ourselves, we're at the gateway to Napa. We're kind of on the outskirts on the south of Napa, intersection of Highway 29 and Highway 12. Our facility was originally Hakusan Sake in, back in like the early 90s. And then it was a brewery and now it's just us. And we also do custom crush. So we have a lot of clients that also share in that area in our building. Okay, so if somebody wants to come by and taste your wines, what's the best way to do that? We have tastings in the tasting room, so if they check out our website, rdwinery.com, they can book a reservation, and then we also sell on our website, and we're working on distribution to hopefully be everywhere someday, but, you know, things take time. Sure. How much wine do you make domestically? It's about 5,000 cases. And what makes RD Wine and your other two brands so special? Uh, well, we, Fifth Moon, we have two brands, Fifth Moon and Hundred Knot. And Fifth Moon was designed to pair well with fresh and spicy food. You can think about equatorial food. It was an opportunity to be authentic to being a Vietnamese winery, to pair wine with our foods. So we have some uncommon varieties like Gruner Vettliner, Malvasia Bianca, um, these are the California wines that we produce. And then 100 Knot is your more typical Napa Sonoma varieties. Cabernet, Chardonnay, Pinot, things like that. Just going back to the original business plan, is there a demand for California wine in Vietnam? I think that's pretty much why we're rebranding in some ways and trying to sell in the United States. Uh, the original idea was kind of um, glorious that we would bring all this Napa wine to Vietnam and, and take over. Uh, but wine consuming, consuming wine takes uh, time, right? Like the Chinese market is, is far developed and people drink wine, right. but there's like an education to appreciating wine. So it's not in high demand. I think that's shifting and changing, but people really drink beer in Vietnam. I mean, naturally, there has to be an appreciation for wine, especially wine coming from Napa Valley, which is not mm -hmm. cheap, right? right? It's, it's more expensive. And then when you import it into Vietnam, there's like 100% import tax. Oh, so wow. that price doubles. And you're talking about a regular consumer who maybe makes like $500, $600 a month. They're not going to go and buy like a $40 bottle of wine because that's very high considering their income. I think things are always evolving, like Westernization concepts happen. So I think eventually that will be the case. But right now, it's mostly drinking beer. So is there a beer brand in your future? 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, the other part of this winery is that uh, it's owned by Mr. Dom, who is my cousin's husband, and he has multiple businesses in Vietnam. A lot of them are in hospitality and tourism. Mm. So he actually built a castle in Vietnam where we they do the wine tasting. When he came here, he really loved Castillo de Amorosa. So he made a castle there. So people really go to the castle and they can try the wine. Uh But it's also like the strangeness of having a castle in Vietnam. It becomes like something you want to go to visit to take pictures at rather than really there for wine. Right. It's more of a tourist draw. Yes, absolutely. Getting back to your career, what would you say is the top moment of your career so far? I think actually like opening the tasting room. I mean, besides the fact that it was a pandemic, there was a lot of effort in getting that tasting room going and trying to get it designed and then renovated and built and permitted properly. And so when it was finally open, I would say that's like one of my top highlights. Creating the tasting experience or environment, what part of that was so rewarding to you? We built this tasting room and the brands to truly be authentic to to being Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. So the tasting room is designed um, kind of in, with the Halong Bay in mind. And it's full of art from Vietnamese artists, our Fifth Moon and Hundred Knot brand. They're named like Hundred Knot's name for a Vietnamese fable. Fifth Moon's name for like a summer solstice celebration. So it's all it all kind of ties together. So opening the tasting room, sharing these wines, sharing Vietnamese culture, being authentic to that, I think is very rewarding. You're a CEO of a winery. It's your first job (laughs) (laughs) ever. Where can you go from here? (laughs) That's a really good question. Uh, Well, I, I finished my MBA at Haas this past December. So I've, I've now officially gotten the credentials. I didn't start off as a CEO. I had to work. I was promoted in 2019. I think where we go from here, I'm not sure. Fundamentally, I this is feels like my baby. This whole brand, this whole company feels like it's mine to take care of. And I'm just hoping that I can make it grow and that people can appreciate our wine and appreciate that we are being authentic to being Vietnamese. I I don't see myself really leaving, actually. I think I continue to learn every day. There's so much to learn. There are so many challenges. And since we're such a small company, there's 10 of us, I get to wear many different hats. Sometimes I don't want to wear all these hats, (laughs) but I get to learn so many different facets of this business and that keeps me going. I, I find it very interesting. So you're constantly challenged. Yes, that's that's the way we can put it. Constantly okay. challenged. Constantly challenged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and continuously evolving. So much has changed. We're not we're not the same company that we were when I started. When I moved out here in 2010, we hadn't even purchased a property. To where we are now, it, it's completely night and day. Like so much has changed. So I I, I don't know where we'll be in five years, but I'm excited to see what that looks like. Over the course of your time at RD Winery, have you had a mentor or someone who has helped guide you along the way that you can talk about? I haven't had a specific mentor. I've tried to surround myself with people that I can ask questions to. 
I mean, right now, I would say our winemaker, Timothy Milos, has been a great guide for me. He's been making wine for the last 20 years or 25 years, something like that. Um, he's someone I ask questions to. But fundamentally, I think you can learn from anyone at uh, any time, like from the person who services your air compressor to anything. So I'm very open with what I don't know and what I can ask. What keeps you going? What drives you? I am super competitive. It's almost, I don't want to say it's a game because this is my life and I'm trying to make this work. But in some ways, it's it's the challenge. I love this idea of of being an outlier and seeing what we can do as a company and how I can push this company and, and make it grow and have people really appreciate being a part of our community. And so for that, I, I'm driven to make this work. You mentioned that the winery's located in the gateway to Napa. <laughs> Is that location lend itself to some challenges? Absolutely. And what Absolutely. have you t- tried to do to overcome those challenges? I think... Um, so where we are is more industrial. We don't have vineyards. And one of the first challenges is that a lot of people think of winery and vineyard as the same thing, but they are not the same. Um, we source our fruit from many different vineyards in California and and in Napa and Sonoma. Um, so getting people to come and experience this type of Napa is a challenge, but it also means instead of us trying to be the Napa that we're not, We're trying to make it a very welcoming and open environment, trying to build a community around wine. So my team is really friendly, really open, and just trying to make it a space that people can feel comfortable, whether they're like a wine connoisseur or they're a wine novice, that they can come, get some wine, and hang out um, and spend time. We're hoping that the community chooses to come and hang out at the tasting room uh, instead of just thinking of it as like a tourist hub. So a destination of sorts. In some ways, yeah, I would definitely say it's kind of a destination. You have to intentionally come and, you know, you have to expect that it's, it, we don't have vineyards because we don't have any vineyards. <laughs> right. Yeah, we try really hard to communicate that and make it really clear. It's always a challenge to communicate. But I, I don't think you're alone. There's a lot of wineries that don't have vineyards. You know, I don't think it's an obstacle that can't be overcome. Yeah, and then also, like, just being in that in that southern point of Napa, we're definitely, like, an outlier. We're not surrounded by other wineries, you know, or tasting rooms, like in downtown Napa, for example. So people just have to kind of intentionally find us. Um, and the way we're kind of doing that, too, is by offering, like, food. We're hoping to offer kind of, like, happy hour experience. Not actually happy hour, but you know, come after work, pull off the highway and have a bite to eat, have a glass of wine, spend time before hopping back into traffic. Give them a reason to to stop and then stay and then buy. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, definitely stay and then buy. I mean, a lot of times tasting rooms are kind of turn and burn, come have your tasting, buy, get out kind of thing. And we we're not doing that we're like come hang out chat be with your friends if they're all vaccinated um and stay for a while learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com well let's shift now to your personal life because you have one you don't work (laughs) 24 7 
Are you sure? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, you might be one of my people, but um, I want to <laughs> believe that you're young and you're fun and and you do have a personal life. You live in southern part of Napa Valley. If we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Um, I think I'm more neutral with color. I, I really do love color to the point where I have to control my love for color so that it doesn't look like a Lisa Frank space. More neutrals. And then I think a lot of plants, probably too many plants. I think during COVID, um, during a pandemic, I've acquired many plants, kind of that whole jungle vibe. I'm trying to control that too. <laughs> well, there's worst habit. I don't think plants... <laughs> is is a bad uh, a bad one i don't know michelle i think i've got like 35 indoor plants oh my goodness kind of, yeah which <laughs> it might be a little bit much um but yeah i like the jungle i'm trying to tamper my desire to collect more of the more jungle plants. well you have a green thumb apparently sometimes they don't and then they go to the backyard where they die <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Favorite room in your house? I would say my bedroom. Why? I'm, you know, that's where you rest and it's comfortable. And I guess I have a couple plants in there that make me happy. <laughs> um, I'm seeing yeah. a theme here. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a jungle. It's like legitimately a jungle. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to put on? I like Adele, music that I can sing along to. I don't sing outside, though. This is like, you know, sing in the shower kind of style singing. So I would say kind of like an Adele station. Uh Is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you have a hobby? Do you collect something unusual (laughs) other than plants? I mean, hobby-wise, I play a lot of volleyball when we're not in the pandemic. And I'm also artsy. I like to doodle and draw. I actually... Nearly double majored in studio art in my college days, and so I still like to draw. Do you have a, some of your original artwork in your home? No. <laughs> no. I mean, not really. I think more recently I'm trying to figure out how to draw on the iPad. Uh, I've, I've put up some, like, little infographics and things on our RD Winery Instagram. I wouldn't say I work 24-7, but somehow everything I do does relate to my job. (laughs) We're in wine country, I have to ask. Other than your own wines, what do you like to drink at home? I like to drink different, I mean, I like to try different wines. I mean, we have people who make wine in our facility because we do custom crush so i like a lot of our clients wines uh belong wine company is one of them i think they're amazing people and i like to drink their wine what is your favorite varietal right now i have really been digging gruner Mm. we make a gruner um but i a lot of things that i cook are more spicy and spice oriented and i think gruners are just lovely with that kind of food Do you like to entertain? (laughs) You know, I should have answered your question about a surprising thing about me is that I am an introvert, which I think is surprising given where what I'm doing as a career. I think people expect you to be extroverted and want to be out there and socializing all the time. And I socialize with my friends, but I don't necessarily entertain 
in the same way of having like dinner parties. We more just get together, have barbecues and play volleyball. That's entertaining. You're entertaining your friends. Yeah. You could have a dinner true. party with your friends. Yeah. We we more have like, you know, family style barbecues. Yeah, exactly. What is your perfect day in the Napa Valley look like? I like going for a walk with my dog outside. Do you have a favorite um, spot? I like the wetlands in American Canyon. It's it's peaceful and it's nice and it's very close to where I live. Um and then getting like lunch or dinner in downtown Napa. I love sushi from Morimoto. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of relaxing. I'm engaged, so relaxing with my fiance. It's a perfect day. Okay, well, there's a hidden secret. <laughs> When's the big day? That's a good question. Uh, We're not really sure. We've been talking about it back and forth, what that's going to look like, if we're going to just kind of elope now and then maybe have a celebration when it's safer for everyone to get together. I think the getting hitched part will probably happen sooner than later. And then the celebration will probably happen later. How did he propose? Tell us. (laughs) We went to um, Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to propose at the base of a waterfall, whose name I can't remember right now. And we were hiking up there with our friends and their children, who are like three and six. And oh I was goodness. thinking, why are we doing this hike? Because it was high. It was like around noon, so it was uphill, and we were sweating. And he planned to ask me when we got to that base, but it was full of people. And as I said, I'm introverted and kind of shy, and that would be my total nightmare. And so then we hiked back down (laughs) and had a barbecue, and he proposed there with just our friends. Were you surprised? Yes, I was surprised he did it, but we've also been together for seven and a half years. Oh my so goodness, well, it was about it's, time it's, then. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like you're married already, and now we're just making it more official. Okay, I do agree with you. That was kind of an um, unusual plan he had in place with uh-huh. little kids <laughs> and all, but his intentions were good, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He wanted the, the three-year-old to to start it off with like, will you be my, will you be his forever girl? But he was also very shy with all those people. And he was like, I'm not doing it. And I was like, what are you not doing? Like, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. And so then he, he kind of winged it. It's fine. When did that happen? August of last year. Oh, during the pandemic. During the pandemic. Yeah. We went to auto camp. We were staying in an Airstream oh, right. and then went hiking around. Yeah. It's fun. Well, good. There was something fabulous and wonderful that happened during the pandemic. So you opened a tasting room, you got in officially engaged. Mm -hmm. So those are awesome things that happened in 2020 for you. Yeah. I also finished my degree. I finished my MBA. Yes. uh, At the end of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 2020 2020 served you well. (laughs) Yeah. Challenges, but also good things. What does your dream wedding look like? Even if you elope, what does it look like? I think it might be kind of eloping. (laughs) I know, but even if you elope, where does it, what does it look like? Is it in Vegas? Is it courthouse? It's probably 
in an in a dream wedding in an ideal world, it would be like at a barn with our friends and family, and we would just have a lot of food and all be together. And it wouldn't be like super glitzy Stuffy. or glam, but yeah, just kind of enjoying each other. I think that's my my dream. I'm gonna hold on to that dream for you. Oh, thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and wish for you. <laughs> I'm going to wish <laughs> that you. your dream comes true. On that note, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. So they're very lighthearted. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question. What kind of car do you drive? A Mazda. What's your favorite flower? Peony. If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Pink. Who is one of your favorite actors? I don't know. I, I, Tom Hanks. Okay. And which do you prefer, ice cream or potato chips? Potato chips. Salt. Yes, salt. <laughs> Mylin, it was so much fun talking with you today. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Visit WineCountryWomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.